Pastor Xavier Rees says mere mental or verbal faith is insufficient. True faith takes action. You can be in the Bible studies, you can be involved in ministry, and be doing all these things, but you're not being a doer of the Word. You're not really maturing, you're not developing, you're not correcting, you're not looking with intensity to do something about it. That's self-deception. This is what God desires of us, that we be doers. I tell you, you get involved in being a doer, man, you're going to be one happy individual. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Deception is the act of convincing another to believe information that is not true. And though there are instances in which it's justified, as in an animal's fur blending in with its surroundings for protection, most of the time, however, deceit is practiced with willful and deliberate effort in order to bring harm to another. But today, Pastor Xavier turns to a simple truth of Scripture illustrating ways in which followers of Jesus bring harm by deceiving themselves with the choices they make. He begins with our text from the Epistle of James, chapter 1, verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. As we have said, James is a very practical man. The central thrust of this passage is that we have the ability to be self-deceived. And so James says that the very first way that Christians deceive themselves is by not understanding the nature of God. For verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. James has just finished telling how God uses trials to refine the believer, testings of his faith. And then he has contrasted that to temptations. Temptations are a product of one's own sin nature. That ability to take something and to allow it to lure us and to give in to it. And therefore, sin is given birth. And you end up with the product, which results in death. Now, man's needed response is found in verses 19 through 21. If he truly understands the nature of God. But fourthly, in verse 21, he says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Lay aside the reference of phrases used as taking a, a coat off, a garment off. If I understand the nature of God, if I understand that I'm a child of God, then I must lay aside certain things. 
of filthiness and overflow of wickedness. It speaks of that which soils the body and the clothes. That which defiles my relationship with God. That which defiles my relationship with man. But on the positive side, I receive the engrafted word, the implanted word of God. I receive it. Too often, such is not the case. You know, it's like a person who comes to studies. I am always amazed at this. I mean, they're there all the time. They're involved in ministry. And yet, they become unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Well, God brought that person to me. God is not going to bring a non-believer to pollute you. He says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. And yet, how often we want to drag God into our sin. And therefore, when things are not going that right or things enter my life, which I am prone to categorize as wrong and evil and darkness, I cannot look to God. Secondly, Peter says that, or James, that we can be self-deceived by not being a doer of the word. Verse 22 through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's the word again. The word deceive here is different. It's only found two times in the New Testament, here and in Colossians 2.4. It means to dilute. Let me give you another word. To water down or to circumvent. That means that I know what I'm hearing. I understand what it means. But I don't want to be so extreme. So I need to lighten up on it. I need to water it down. God don't care. I'm under grace. It's all right. It isn't okay. God does care. This is another form of self-deception. In verse 23 and 24, he gives us the picture of the hearer. And he contrasts the hearer and the doer. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. So the first picture he gives to us of this man is he likens him to one who goes before the mirror and he beholds his natural face. And the reference to his natural face is this, the face of his birth. The implication here is what he really is. He's a sinner. He's a sinner because he has a sin nature. What do you see when you look into the mirror? Do you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think? Do you think that you're beyond certain things? Do you look down on some people who have fallen into certain sins and say, how could they? You see, we forget as we look in the mirror that there's a sinner in here. There's only saved sinners and lost sinners. But verse 24 says, For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. The word observe means with a casual look, without any intent or purpose to really remedy the situation or correct what is wrong. Now, when you get in front of the mirror in the morning, women, and you're putting your makeup on, and you see it smeared all the way over here, you don't say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you better believe you're looking and you're saying, man, I want a nice thing to look good. I've told you where the word cosmetic comes from, right? Haven't I? From the cosmos, from bringing things out of order into order. That's the root word. 
And you're very intent before the mirror. You're looking there. And you better believe you're going to make every correction because when you walk out, you want to know that you look good. And so this is a picture of the man. He's looking, but he's not looking with any sincerity or any real genuine intent to correct what is wrong. Let me suggest to you that there are many people in the church of Jesus Christ, maybe some of you sitting here, Sunday after Sunday, maybe even involved in ministry, but you're hearing, but you have no intent to change. None at all. You see, knowledge brings an awesome responsibility. Jesus says, not one idle word will be spoken that will not be given an account for. Everything. And so this is the picture of the hearer. He's deceiving himself. He thinks he's okay. But the picture of the doer is found in verse 25. He says, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice it's not word, it's work now. This one will be happy in what he does. The word look, it has basically two ideas. One is to stoop or to bend over in order to look. And then secondly, it has the idea of piercing, penetrating vision to inspect. In other words, the doer is a person, man or woman, who is sitting under the teaching of the Word of God with intensity, listening, because they want their life to be right with God. They want to make sure that it's just what's going to be pleasing to Him. They are not carefree, but they're looking, they're penetrating into the Word of God. The very same word is used of Peter when he ran into the tomb penetrating, looking. This is the picture of the doer, not the hearer. But notice that he says that he looks into the law, perfect law of liberty. What does he mean? What is this that he's talking about? Is he bringing us back into the Mosaic law? No, because the law could not perfect you. The law could only point to your guilt. The reason we have speed signs is not because we are so law-abiding, it's because we're lawbreakers. The law always accuses you, it never justifies you. And so a reference to the law of liberty, the perfect law of liberty, is the gospel of Christ. That which you can look into and be totally set free, for whom the Son has set free, he is free indeed. Free from the bondage of sin. Free from giving myself over to that which only destroys me. Free to make a right choice. Free to know right from wrong. Free to serve the Lord and Master of my own free will. That's freedom. Total freedom. And so he looks into the law, the perfect law of liberty. But notice that he doesn't just look once. He says he continues in it. He continues not only in the Word, but he continues in that very intense and penetrating and stooping over position to make sure that he doesn't miss anything. This is the picture of the doer of the Word of God. He is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. You see, when you start getting in this book and you start being taught, you can't help but being involved in works. 
Ephesians 2 10 says, You are God's handiwork, His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. They were prepared before the foundation of the world that you might walk in them. Titus says, Be careful that you walk in them. You don't earn your salvation, that's given to you free. But after you come to Christ and you start learning, there are works that come about from your life. Why? Because God produces God's nature is life. And that's why we have an awesome responsibility to multiply and to duplicate ourselves and others. To pour our hearts out to those who are in Christ, very young. To pour our hearts to those who do not have Christ. That's an awesome responsibility. He says that this man will be blessed in what he does. See, happiness is not bound up in hearing, but in doing. The Gospel of John in chapter 13, verse 17 says... Happy is he who hears and does. Some of the most frustrated Christians in the world and frustrated people are Christians. Because they hear, they hear, they hear, and they don't do. You see, if you're going to be happy, you're going to have to be a doer of the Word of God. It isn't difficult to deceive ourselves. Because you can be in the Bible studies, you can be here every Sunday, you can be here Wednesday, you can be involved in ministry and be doing all these things, but you're not being a doer of the Word. You're not really maturing, you're not developing, you're not correcting, you're not looking with intensity to do something about it. That's self-deception. And it can happen mostly in the church. You see, we have to be doers of everything. Not being equally yoked. God knows why. He wants my best. Being a doer of, of, of giving God of my time, of my energies, of my money. Being a doer of praying, studying, making myself available to those who need my help. I mean, the list can go on. You add to it. Being doers of the Word of God. This is what God desires of us, that we be doers. I tell you, you get involved in being a doer, man, you're going to be one happy individual. You're going to be ministered unto by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God so tremendously that, you know what, you won't have time for all those little things you used to quarrel and murmur and complain about. They said a rolling stone gathers no moth. That says a lot. What about pupitatoes? That goes for that, too. You've got to get moving. Christianity is not a life of comfort. It really isn't, in spite of what the radio and television tells us. But James is not satisfied to finish there. He gives us the third way by which Christians are self-deceived. He says, by not bridling the tongue. Verse 26 and 27. But if any among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart this one's religion is useless the word deceives here again is a different word it means to cheat or to beguile it's used four times in the New Testament it's literally cheating when we cannot control our tongue 
if anyone among you thinks he is religious. The word religious is only found about five times in the New Testament. And when it's used, it's used in an outward ritualistic ceremonial aspect or idea. You can do all kinds of external things, but if nothing's happening inside, then you're just a very religious person. Remember Paul went to Mars Hill. He says, oh, I see you guys are very religious. There was a God on every corner. He says, by the way, I want to talk to you about the one that has no name. I know who he is. <laughs> His name's Jesus Christ. Very religious. He says, but if he does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. You see this little member, what is it, about three, four inches? But, I mean, it whips us. He says, you deceive your own heart if you can't control your tongue. David says, Lord, put a door at my lips. That's a good prayer. I mean, shut my mouth, Lord. Control this tongue. You know, later on in chapter 3, he says, you know, we, we put little steel bit in a horse's mouth and we control him. We put little rudders on huge ships and we can turn them. Down in San Diego, they train Shamu. <laughs> and yet, this little tongue whips me. And I think I'm righteous. I think I'm okay. I think I'm religious. I think God is pleased with me. He is not pleased. How many people have you and have been destroyed by a tongue? Because of jealousy, envy, plain honoriness? If we cannot control our tongue, then we are self-deceived. And that's why I have to stay in the Word of God. That God's Word pierces asunder the soul and the spirit and the marrow of the bone. Because it's from the heart that proceeds evil thoughts, fornications, adulteries, Jesus said. He says that man's religion is in vain. It's useless. It's good for nothing. Think about it. All that you do, you're in studies, you're in work, you're doing this and everything, but if you can't control your tongue, he says everything's useless. Because you cancel everything out, one sweep of the tongue. No integrity. No consistency. No commonness with the nature of God. Now he gives you the positive side. If you want to be religious, listen to this, he says. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the orphan, the widow, and their troubles, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Notice, pure, undefiled. Pure towards God. Undefiled towards man. Now the focus has turned right. This is pure and undefiled religion before God. Not before man. Too often we do our works to be seen of men. It's before God that we do the things that we do. He says to visit the orphans and the widows. The word visit has the idea of not only just going down and chatting with them because nobody has talked to them for a month, but to go down to see their trouble, their need, and to meet it. Now often in ministry and throughout the years, people always find different needs, and they always come back to me, to the people here at the church, and say, listen, there, can we meet this need? When God shows you a need, He wants you to meet it. Because he wants to reward you and he wants you to receive the blessing of being a doer of the word of God. If God wants me to meet the need, he'll show it to me. If God wanted the church to meet it, then it would be coming to us. Now again, there are some things that are too tremendous for any individual to 
be concerned or to be able to take care of. And then there's a joint effort. But for the most part, I believe that God brings things to your life and my life that I would meet the need. I would prove my genuineness towards him and that I would receive the reward. By the way, orphans and widows were a very hot object in the Old Testament. God made provisions in the law for them to be taken care of because if you were a widow, you didn't have someone to provide your need. You either went into prostitution or you sold yourself as a slave. An orphan had no one, fatherless. And yet we have a tremendous opportunity today in the society that we live in. We live in a society of latchkey babies, children who have parents but don't have parents. Parents who are too concerned with themselves, their occupation, and really want to buy their kids off and don't have the time for them. That we can befriend them, that we can say, hey, this is what it is to have a home. This is what it is to be a, a Christian. This is what it is to be a father, a mother, a, a husband, a wife. My children are always playing at my house, and they bring all their friends, and I, I like that. Because many of those kids don't have the example. And hopefully they get a glimpse of what Christ is all about and what a godly family is. They eat over sometimes and serve the food and all of a sudden, you know, they, they start looking, they start putting in and say, well, let's pray. And they're kind of, you know, embarrassed. And they, but it's neat. The Lord takes care of it. And when they come over there more than one time, they already know and they just kind of wait, you know. But they see the difference. And it's exciting, a great opportunity today. Don't be afraid they're going to give you cooties or something. I mean, we're in the world. Get mixed up with non-believers. Not in terms of being one with them, but of being an influence to them. Very important. Is there an older person down your neighborhood? You drive by that house and it needs paint. And every time you look at it, you say, man, it looks ugly. <laughs> Go paint it. Is there someone who is laid up or elderly and can't take care of their yard? Then go do it. I mean, what are we in the world for, people? Has God poured His grace on us because we're so hot? I don't think so. Not if you're looking in the mirror, the perfect law of liberty. And so we need to be doers. We need to control our tongue. And last of all, He says that is to keep oneself unspotted from the world. This is the bottom line. James is saying we have to be holy. Peter says, be holy for I am holy. Quoting Leviticus, quoting God. We are to be different, man. We are to be distinct from the world. I want to be a doer. Because if not, I get into the position of being self-deceived. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, it's not of the Father. If you love the world, he says, you're an enemy to God. And so, James is very to the, much to the point as to the art of self-deception. We can do it, not understanding the nature of God. We can do it by not being doers of the Word of God. And we can do it by not controlling our tongue. Those are just three of many things. Get a concordance, look them up. Word deceived, uh, being deceived, deceiving all of that and look and see how many times it speaks to us oh I pray that God minister to your heart I hope you spend some time before that mirror and you make the corrections that you need to this morning and that's a practice every day of your life because Jesus is coming and there are many people that are lost out there and they need they need an example 
and a message of hope. Pastor Xavier Reese winding down his message with a summary of the ways we fall into self-deception, as illustrated by the Apostle James from chapter 1 of his epistle. Now, just before we close, let me take these last moments to mention that copies of today's Simple Truth study, titled The Art of Self-Deception, are available, as always, for only $4 on CD. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title you'll be asking for is The Art of Self-Deception. Or you can just mention today's date. Request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com